transgender, lesbian, gay, bisexual, queer, questioning, intersex, and yes, there are many, many jokes about the number of letters that that adds up to in an acronym. A friend of mine shared with me at one point, I may have said this months ago, a friend of mine shared with me that actually if you put all of the letters together, you can actually make the word quilt bag. <laughs> but, but I'm not quite sure that we want to go around being called quilt bag. It's a thought, anyhow. Um, <laughs> so uh, I am I'm very grateful uh, for Marsha sharing her reflection this morning, and I know that many people have many different stories of what it means to experience, embrace, travel with, be a part of pride celebrations, which are a part of not just culture here in the United States at this point, but um, globally, all around the world, uh, folks are celebrating Pride at different times, and also at some different times in, even within the United States. Um, and for me personally, I figured I would take this time to share a little bit of my own experience of what it means to have something in our world, in our lives, called Pride, and Pride celebrations. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't start in the 70s, um, which was a different kind of a charged time, as I'm sure you can well imagine. Um, for better or worse, a double-edged sword, I started in the middle of the 80s. 1986 was the first time I went to a Pride celebration. Pride uh, in New York, New York City. That was the closest big one that I could make it to. That's when I started going. And it was a remarkable experience to have really, I had actually only just sort of come out to my dad, although I had been out to myself for quite a while, but to march and to see that many people affirming what it was to be, it was a gay pride parade at that time, but LGBTQIAA. Um, Amazing, amazing, especially because in New York, the way it used to go at least, um, it started up at Columbus Circle, actually above Columbus Circle at 66th Street, came down around Central Park South and then straight down Fifth Avenue. And I still get chills when I think back to being at this one part of Fifth Avenue that's around 42nd Street, which is actually high land, high ground when we had the moment of silence. And the entirety of Fifth Avenue, which was a sea of people for its entire length, went silent. Amazing power. And then slowly but surely, the roar picks up from all the way down Christopher Street. And we're cheering as the moment of silence is released, just incredibly empowering. Ah, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very, very heady time. It was a difficult time as well, 
to be involved in Pride celebrations, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, we were in the thick of the beginning of the AIDS crisis, and no one knew what was going on, except that our friends were dying. Um, to come out into a world where people who identify as you are dying changes the game a lot. It, it made it really easy to stand there and have people scream horrible things at me in front of St. Patrick's Cathedral and spit at me in the middle of that parade. I was like, you bring it on. Bring it on. So for me, the whole pride thing is very, very personal. Um, it wasn't just, just about the marches and the, the activism. It was actually a very good party. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had a good time. We had a, a, a great time. And as you can imagine, at the time that I was starting it, we a great deal of loss and a great deal of emotion. For me, however, the trajectory was one that actually took me into some leadership as well, not in New York, but in Los Angeles. And so when I got to Los Angeles and was living there, I became part of the organization of Pride, Christopher Street West, and I was doing publicity for them. I did uh, public relations and publicity for both 2001 and 2002, and I was the on-air host for both of those Pride parades, which was a lot of fun, again. Um, but it was really deep, because you got to see all the other stuff going on outside of the circle, of, outside of the... Um, outside of the parade and outside of the rallies and outside of the parties, you got to talk to, or I got to talk to, political leaders who were invested in, in seeing a change in LGBTQ lives and, and, and lifestyles. So for me, pride has always been this mix of political, of social, and also biological. Um, it is an opportunity to say, I believe at least, that our bodies are what we claim them to be, not what someone else tells us they should be. And to say that publicly, to dance it publicly, it is a liberation for all of us from what I call counter-human binaries that were established to keep certain centers of power in power. And when I think about pride, um, I also think about, I, I love words, I love wordsmithing and things like that, and I came up with this one little term here, radical heteronormativity. <laughs> but really, think about it. We live in a world of really powerful norms where somewhere along the way, this idea of what I will call in our today's words heteronormativity became the end-all, beat-all of everything. So it's radical. But it's not necessarily human to be that radical that definitive, that binary, that one, one path or another. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't even feel right. You ask any LGBTQI person, 
about how it is to navigate the experience of deflecting radical heteronormativity, and they will tell you, oh yeah, there's mountains of shame and being told you're different and all kinds of things. But what I love, and this is one of the things I love about pride, is that within that equation, we have also learned that we are unique. And we hold that as something magical and special and inseparable from who we actually are. We've learned that we are powerful as well and that we're beautiful, not despite or regardless, but just hard stop, we are beautiful, period. That, to me, that is a tremendous message for any individual to be given the opportunity to carry with them. And not, not, to, not to take anything away from being heterosexual, but I feel like you gotta be missing out on this amazing <laughs> self-affirmation that LGBTQ folks get to have. You know, by that same token, pride has a really important message for all of us. It's instructive, particularly for young people who are in formation. Pride carries a message that goes beyond the party, one that says, celebrate that you have a body, not just the fact that your body might be superficially similar to someone else's. Celebrate that you have a body, however it manifests. Celebrate that you have the capacity for sexual expression, even if that expression is no sexuality. Don't just celebrate that your sexual expression mirrors someone else's. Celebrate the fact of gender, not just one point on the gender spectrum, but that we get to have something that shifts and moves and is called gender. Amazing. Sorry if I'm wandering a little bit, but something near and dear to my heart, a lot to say about it. The other thing that make, made me really excited about Marsha sharing her story was that it, it's this same path of like, wow, there's so much to carry in this identity. And then it bumps up against marriage, an institution that many regard as being the, something to defend, a tool to defend this, this radical heteronormativity with. Yet LGBTQ folks come along and we're like, ha, got it. <laughs> I don't know if you all uh, have, well, I'm sure many of you saw the television series 30 Rock. Um, it is one of my favorite life reference points. Thank you, Tina Fey. <laughs> um, the character Jenna Maroney at one point is dating a man named Paul who dresses as her. Uh, which can be confusing visually, but it's what they have and what makes them 
makes their relationship work. And they go through a period where they are normaling. That is, they are not, in, instead of doing their, what is for them normal, tying each other up and playing games that involve hunts around New York City and Central Park, they are normaling. So they're doing things like going to brunch, <laughs> having dinner parties, etc. And I, that, 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 that particular <laughs> episode made me really think about um, how much same-sex marriages or marriages outside of the radical heteronormative paradigm just don't look like the regular marriage. And they shouldn't. And they can't. Like, what's, what's the point? Why, why let go of the magic I was describing before just to fit in a box? You know, legal status didn't change the way LGBTQ folks have relationships. And it didn't give any additional validity to those relationships. What marriage equality did was it moved normal. It moved the center of change. I shared with you a, a, a quote before from Margaret Wheatley. It's from a whole a, a book that she's got that I, I just love, and I didn't write down the name of the book. Shame on me. I'll, I'll share it when I share this sermon. We cannot simply leap to new ways of being. First, we must prepare for disintegration and collapse. And she says this when she's speaking of chaos. Now, I prefer to frame what she's talking about as not as chaos, because I don't think LGBTQ folks or being LGBTQ represents chaos in our culture. I look at it as inevitable change and evolution. This journey that becomes ignited during this time of pride, becomes revealed during the time of pride, it is instructive. Let me lay this on you. I want you to think about the margin what it means to call someone or, or refer to someone being marginalized. Now, I, I am the first person to say that protesting the mistreatment of anybody, particularly LGBTQ folks, is totally and completely valid. We need to fight back. We need to resist. We need to protest. But focusing only on LGBTQI people as being on the margin, it centers the oppressive narrative. No one's body can be marginal. No human body is outside or alien or invalid or illegal. We have to resist this language of margins. Because in truth, the margin is the center of change. It's where we're all headed, eventually. I won't do a spoiler thing on Margaret Wheatley's book, but she talks about the fact that the culture we're living in right now is probably falling apart. <laughs> Didn't expect to hear that. Okay. Yay! 
It's probably falling apart. And I believe, and I don't think LGBTQ folks are, are, are alone in this, but I think we are part of what will allow something to rise from the ashes. To be human is to change. To be human is to embrace a long spectrum, a broad spectrum, a huge, a wide spectrum of ways of being. That is being human. Being narrow, being in one place only, that can work for sure, but it doesn't negate the other possibilities. When I think about it, those who are perceived by the status quo as different are often the pivot point. They're the pivot point on which we all turn the corner toward what is humanly possible. Our bodies, LGBTQ bodies during this time of pride, they are catalysts and products of life and they are born to create change. So as we begin this month of pride, as we continue to celebrate it, not just through the month of June, but every day in every relationship we have in this community, let us celebrate our friends who are LGBTQ and I, and let the voices of LGBTQ folks dominate the conversation sometimes, not just for the month of June, but other times as well. Pride is a celebration of the fullness of what it means to be unapologetically human. Now, more than ever, pride matters. May it be so.